We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time for the Dynasty Reanimators to run through Sean Siegel's Dynasty rankings. See what has changed in the most recent update post NFL Week Two as we move into Week Three. We have got some questions that have come in on YouTube, and we're going to get Sean to dive into those with the rankings. We may look at some running backs. We have a lot of it's a very open-ended show here, Sean, as to how we are going to go in direction here. But we're ready for Week Three. How are you as we settle down here today? Good, good. We had just a lot of interesting information over the first two weeks. We always do, but sifting through after one week, you can make a lot of mistakes. You can draw the wrong conclusions. Obviously, you can do that through two weeks as well, but we're starting to get a little bit more in the way of trends. We see some of the guys who struggled in week one bounce back. We have a little bit more injury news on a variety of teams and how that's going to affect how they approach the season. And then we also, I think get a little bit more of a sense of which players like a Marvin Mims and a Jalen Hyatt are simply so good that their teams are going to need to push a little bit to get them involved. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to jump from what are, you know, frankly, disturbingly low usage rates to full roles instantly. Right. But when you're that dynamic and you're so clearly, in Hyatt's case, the best player that they have, in Mim's case, you know, quite possibly the best player that they have, and we still have you know, some hopes for a Jerry Judy, obviously. But those guys are going to have to get involved. The flip side of that, when you see just how little that Quinton Johnston is doing, or at least hasn't been able to make a splash play in limited work, like some of those other receivers, you see someone like a Michael Mayer who is more or less not involved even though the team is desperate for playmakers that again gives you some information as well it's not that we think that those guys are going to be busts but even in a season where maybe you are rebuilding or reloading maybe a season where you're targeting a future number one pick certainly seasons where you have reloaded and these are bench players for you you're not anticipating them to give you big production early it still affects where they go in the rankings. It still affects your enthusiasm for them. 
it doesn't in any way re- ruin the profile of an elite prospect. But the earlier and the better that you play, the more exciting that is. And the better it is for your 2023 season outlook. And look, we're, we're trying to win the current season. Everything in Dynasty is not about the future. We talk a lot about everything boils down to trade value, but in part because that trade value, once you build enough of it, is represented on your team through a lot of good players. And that's how you win. You have more good players than everybody else. So we still are looking for that production so that we can win. And then on our bench, obviously you want there to be trade value so that you have flexibility. You can move some guys, you can play some players, you can stash them for later. The more value they have, the better it is for you. So we want to be willing to reflect what's actually going on in these leagues. And Column, that kind of gets us to one of these first questions here where we look at again how we're valuing some of the positions. And so I think week two was pretty interesting from a running back perspective as well. Obviously, we have some more injuries. Ben and I discussed those a lot on Ceiling Bananas. Make sure you check that out if you were interested. But I want to kind of go beyond that and look at some of the what we might call dead zone running backs. And certainly in my first big zero RB universe article of the season, I talked about the difference between the guys who are elite talents and the players who very clearly have dead zone profiles. And three of the names that I'm thinking of here would be an Alexander Madison, a James Conner, a Rashad White. And Madison more or less gets swallowed up by the Eagles defense. That part, probably not a surprise. Wouldn't have been fair to expect him to do a lot in that game. Although certainly if you're playing him, you have higher hopes than what he actually did. Then you have the trade for a Cam Akers. They've said they're still very much Alexander Madison fans. And I would expect that that's true, right? You don't make some of the moves they did in the offseason unless you believe in Madison. And yet at the same time, they've made a trade to pull in Miles Gaskin. They've now made this trade with Cam Akers. A couple of guys that we probably would have been enthusiastic about before that in a Ty Chandler and a Dwayne McBride. Obviously bad news for those guys. But it does muddy the waters for Madison a little bit as well. The other two guys here were fantastic in week two. And one of the things about doing a good job with your analysis and or doing a good job with your continuing to manage the individual leagues that you're in is that you do want to give credit when credit is due. Otherwise, you start to fall into a bunch of mental traps. And so I want to point out here that I thought Rashad White looked very good in week two and did a lot of the things that they want from him and that that Tampa Bay offense is going to need. James Conner also looked good in week two. Now, one of the problems for James Conner is that he goes out there and has a tremendous game. You kind of look back through his profile and you can do this in the advanced stat explorer and see that he's always had very solid peripherals although those peripherals in 22 specifically did decline to an extent but with those peripherals he's had a hard time generating yardage and that's always a problem but it becomes a bigger problem on teams that aren't good a couple of years ago when we had him as a zero rb target when he's in one of these offenses with kyler murray where you expect them to have a lot of points and to have a lot of goal line touches 
he's actually extremely inefficient from a yardage perspective and looked very slow out on the field and yet was a borderline league winner for us because of all of the red zone scores so that worked out very nicely his fantasy points over expectation that year among the very best in the league because of all the touchdowns despite the yardage issues you flash forward to this season and it's the opposite situation even though he's the clear starter and doesn't really have backups where the inability to gain yardage in an offense that's also not going to put you in many good situations is a big problem. So that's why he would be a pure fade. At the same time, when we look at what he did in week two, he was the best version of himself. He led the NFL with six broken tackles this past week. He scores 16 points. So this is a good news, bad news sort of thing, which I think illustrates both the pluses and the minuses for Connor. He ends up having more or less the best possible game that he can have. Again, a very good game. Ends up with only 16 expected points, which you'll definitely take that. You just don't want that to be a ceiling outcome. And he also ends up with 0.4 fantasy points over expectation. So even with how well he's played, the context makes it so he's more or less going to score at the usage. The other thing that we note here is that he gets one target, zero reception, so not involved in the passing game, even though that has always been a strength for him. Even though he's not great at gaining yards, he's got great hands, he's a good receiver. Colin, when you look at this game for Connor, when you look at the situation for Rashad White, he's someone who had 19 expected points and then two fantasy points over expectation, a 21-point game. That, if you have him, you're ecstatic about. How are you thinking about these three guys as we go forward? We wouldn't expect many of our listeners to have them on their rosters, and we can't make the case that they're sell highs because, again, our community doesn't necessarily have them too much in the first place. But we do want to make sure we're continuing to objectively look at these players who were involved in their games in a meaningful way. Certainly the contrast between White, who had an excellent game, and Sean Tucker, who struggled, was pretty stark. It was interesting in that the Buccaneers, I think, do have some issues and are going to have some issues in terms of how their rushing game works. One of the things that really jumped out to me in week two was you know, where contact is being made for certain players. You look at the entire group of teams there, and I mean, this is an issue for Sean Tucker, who carries eight times and has zero yards before contact you're getting hit you know in the backfield you're getting hit at the line of scrimmage zero yards before contact someone else with zero yards before contact damian pierce and so for the texans you have this huge split between a lot of enthusiasm for how cj stroud is playing and really devastating repercussions for damian pierce kenneth walker <laughs> negative yards before contact he's having to do a ton of this himself he had a 47% evasion rate last week, which was extraordinary. He continues to actually look good despite the context. Najee Harris, minus one. Josh Jacobs, almost minus two yards before contact. When you're looking at Josh Jacobs and where he was last season, this big bounce back year, but yet how it could still be an issue in 2023 that like 2022 was not the only year that Josh Jacobs has played. Those other years are still relevant and giving us a, a full picture there. The Raiders in this game completely swarmed over. So we have pluses and minuses when we think about this Tampa Bay rushing attack. What stood out to you as we think about running backs in that round three to say round seven draft range when we're thinking about a couple weeks in? 
So there's a lot, a lot there to get into. One of the things with, uh, and I'm going to hold my hands up here, Sean, full disclosure, our listeners may not have James Conner on many of their rosters, but James Conner somebody who's very hard to move for somebody who had a summer of James Conner. I think maybe that was two seasons ago. So I, I'm rolling out some James Conner on a weekly basis here. Um, not much trade value, I can assure you of that. But the one thing with him, as you get into that veteran category, you know, you, you're kind of trying to move him. But you get into a situation where now 28 years old, you know, not a lot of people jump into buy-in. And at this point, I think having him on your roster with what you're probably going to get out of him this season, maybe there's another year there left for James Conner. He feels like somebody, ride or die, stay to the wheels, fall off. So you've got him in your team. Did you have him in lineups this week? I, I did. I had him in two lineups last week, and they both got over the line. So uh, nice. thank you, James nice. Conner. So it's... Uh, you know, running back rooms are quite light on some of those. I know, you know, with when you're building the dynasty teams, there is an emphasis to try and have some of those higher end running backs. A lot of my solo teams don't have as many of those higher end running backs uh, involved in them. But when we look at James Conner, he's going to be interesting this year because through these opening two weeks, he has pretty much had the entire entirety of that backfield. But the big well, not the big concern. The strange thing last week was they faced the Giants. They get a 20-0 to lead at halftime. They're kind of cruising, and I think they kind of got caught in terms of they didn't think they were going to lose this game. So there wasn't a real need at that point to have urgency in terms of passing the ball to James Conner as they gave him those 23 carries. But I thought on the whole, Conner looked pretty good last week, and you can say different in a moment if you want, but he would be somebody with his current value that I would be rolling out there for the remainder of the season i don't think you're going to get a huge amount back in, in return for him and in most cases he's going to be a secondary piece that you're going to be moving on to try and you know get a deal done and i think he still has that value for this particular season big concern if you're playing him this week is they are facing the dallas Cowboys, sean so i think he will get some more receptions this week but he may not do a, a huge amount in the run game the alexander madison cam Akers one you know if we're looking to this week I think it's going to be very hard to play either of those guys with any confidence. But the part of that, that usually when we see this, we're seeing, you know, maybe two veterans towards the end of their careers. But these guys have both been around a little bit of time. But we have Madison, who's 25. We have Akers now, who's who's 24. But I think he's going to be in a very short, short leash here. If things don't work out, I could see him moved on from Minnesota quite quickly. So it's I feel like he may be getting into, you know, last chance saloon if, he, if he's passed on here by the vikings before the end of the season it's gonna be very hard to see other teams want to pick him up so he is extremely volatile the the one of these that i'd be interested in, in acquiring out of the the group would be white but even at that i've cooled off a little bit on him he's going to get the work there but i think he's going to get squeezed as the season goes on he did look good kind of in week two but i think that that was just kind of a bounce back from the, the week one performance. I, I have some concerns. It added some weight this year and, and isn't looking as explosive as maybe he did as a rookie. So none of these guys are guys that I would actively be looking to get on my roster. I assume that you're feeling kind of in a similar way. And a lot of these guys that you mentioned in that range are, are very hard to have uh, confidence in, in trying to go out and acquire and, and pick up you know, at this point of the season. And any of the guys, you mentioned the dead zone element, any of the guys that we kind of thought might fall into that at the start of the season kind of we're seeing quite a few of them really sliding into it and and obviously it's the the secondary options on those rosters that you would you'd want to be kind of having and if you haven't had them on your roster or stashed them by now you're going to probably have to pay over the odds to to acquire them on your dynasty team 
Yeah, I don't think any of these guys can be pickups. It's more or less being sure that how we're looking at them makes sense and that how the guys that we're picking in their place, whether or not that those are the right choices. And so you look at Rashad White this past week, only 1.4 yards before contact. Again, that's much better than Tucker's. But these two players with the 25 attempts, the blocking simply isn't there to give them the opportunities that they're going to need. Neither player is assigned a broken tackle or a forced missed tackle. When you're (laughs) encountering all of this difficulty in the backfield, you're going to have to be a truly electric talent who can make guys miss, who can push through the tackles. Now, one of the things that I would say is that despite having to deal with so many defenders in the backfield, only a 6% stuff percentage with white. There was more shiftiness. There was more dynamism than we've seen from him previously at the NFL level. It's not impossible that he takes a big jump. It would be easier to make that jump, I think, on some other teams. Colin, as we transition to more of a, a dynasty outlook here, I had an interesting question from david Philippi this week someone we drafted with toward the end of the season that team is off to a fantastic start that's been a lot of fun he's also been writing a zero rb dynasty column for the website that i really enjoyed and one of the discussions that he and i had was going back to the rookie rankings going back to this idea of having Bijan and then jameer gibbs jsn ahead of the quarterbacks and that's been interesting through a couple of weeks here because the results have been fairly surprising and that was maybe one of the more disappointing things to happen in week two is you have this anthony richardson concussion because we'd have a lot more information if we've gotten to see him play a full game now obviously when you have those early rushing touchdowns you're off to a great start it's going to be difficult to have a bad game from that point What we really want to see from him is the passing element because we know that number one, he's going to score some rushing touchdowns. I think that part of it now is not very controversial. One of the notes that we had had for listeners was that he actually didn't run as much or as effectively in college as you might guess. We assume that would be different with where the Colts selected him and with the coaching staff that they had that has been very effective or, you know, obviously previously with Jalen hurts there. But to be someone who can elevate above, say, the Daniel Jones level. We saw Daniel Jones score a bunch of points this past week as they have, you know, really what started out as a lot of garbage time and then transitioned, as you mentioned, into, you know, how do we get It was one of the most bizarre games I've ever seen. Like, you know, we talk about games of two halves. This was a game of just a mirror image of the two. And it wasn't even a case of... You know, I have the box score up in front of me. It's 20 to zero at halftime, but you know, heading into the, the fourth quarter, it's 20 at 14 still at that point. And I'm sure our Arizona Cardinals fans watching this one felt like the sands of time were kind of running through their fingers and they, they, they couldn't they couldn't just keep it in the bottle. But um, weird, weird game. A lot of points for Daniel Jones, though. It, there were a lot of points. It was surprising because the Cardinals in stretches in both of the first two weeks have looked very fast on defense fast and putting a lot of pressure hard hits they had some dirty hits in that first week 
against the commanders. I don't think that was necessarily intentional. They tried to keep it cleaner and still be fast and hard hitting in week two made the giants look very bad in the first half. Then, I mean, it's always this question of how do you best protect a lead? I think the most disappointing portion of the game was the final drive where the giants have finally tied it up and the Cardinals are still in their shell, not doing anything. I mean, Dobbs looked actually very good in the first half of this game, looked very similar to what you would get from an Anthony Richardson or very similar to what you would get from a Daniel Jones. He has a long rushing touchdown in it. You get some splash plays from the receivers. We look at these rushing quarterbacks, though, in order to be a Jalen Hurts, in order to be some version of a Josh Allen, you have to emerge as the passer to bring that in as well. And one of the elements that we also have to consider and work through is that there are some very different caliber of opponents one of the things that you mentioned to me when we were kind of joking back and forth on jordan love before the show started is that his numbers right now are very good but they've also played two very soft opponents and did actually manage to lose one of those two games which not what you're looking to do probably the case with also has no no one to throw it to but well i mean the Jaden reed enthusiasts would dispute that we like romeo dobbs he was shut down but I don't think Sean Siegel is a, a read enthusiast. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. You're going to give the guy credit if he continues to score like that. The one was obviously a, a touch behind the line of scrimmage that was a well-designed play. If he can make plays down the field, which he has made some, then we're going to have to certainly give him credit for that. It'll be interesting to see how the three and arguably four of them work out once we get Christian uh, Watson it, back. It looks like Watson is... Uh going to miss this week again it would look and the one thing that we didn't talk about when we touched on the Packers in the recap Luke Musgrave has looked pretty good so far I think as a, a rookie tight end and they kind of have gone away from him in a couple of these games which I, I I think at the moment with the situation with Dobbs not being 100% healthy and you're, you're missing obviously Christian Watson I think that they should be factoring him in a lot more and I think he's somebody we're talking about the rookies here is is quite exciting i think that when it's all said and done they're going to have plenty of receiving talent they have given themselves a lot of shots at it i don't think there's a lot of question about watson's ceiling and i think his floor will be fine romeo dobbs Jaden reed one of those two guys is going to be a dynamic second piece and then the other player may be a, a very nice complimentary third piece as you mentioned musgrave when they have aaron jones back yeah they've got a lot of pieces it should be a fun team and it's been a well-coached team to this point especially on the offensive side and you play these games against the falcons you're going to get some weird results when we think about the quarterbacks and we think about how we have them ranked in my rankings certainly in curtis's rankings both of us work a lot with travis may who was one of the folks that we had on the show and was very concerned about the richardson you know really ability to throw any types of passes I think that that question is still to be answered and needs to be answered in the affirmative before you would be in a situation where drafting the other players above him causes you a problem. So one of the things that I I want us to look at is this idea of Richardson in relation to the other quarterbacks, Richardson in relationship to the non-quarterbacks, and then the non-quarterbacks versus quarterbacks sort of overall and how we're seeing these guys rise. So 
we had Richardson more to the end of round two in startups. His ADP was more at the beginning of round two. And I don't have a huge problem moving him up four or five spots based on what we've seen so far from Richardson as a runner. The question comes in, I think, as it relates to those other guys. And for me, the first two weeks with JSN have been disappointing because I don't think it was impossible for him to come out and have a start that was similar to what Puka has done. So disappointing, but not in any way concerning. You look at the situation with Jameer Gibbs, where in week one, we mentioned that despite barely touching the ball, he had these crazy peripherals, broken tackles, forced missed tackles. Week two, he comes out and gets seven receptions. Now there's an injury to David Montgomery, and the possibility there for Gibbs to give you what he was drafted to give you in redraft and what certainly we were drafting him to do in Dynasty, that possibility is ahead of him. And so I still have him in that round two range. I have JSN one spot ahead of Richardson. I have Richardson now moved up so that he's ahead of Gibbs, Hall, Brown, Hill, and Waddle. But one of the things that I would note here is that this is within a tier. And so you're having these subtle moves that don't change the big picture at all and probably don't change what we're looking to do tactically at all. And one of the things that I kind of reference there, and it's been interesting because Bjorn and I are in a league where we just did the startup. Wrote about that extensively on the site if anybody is interested. All of the perpetual reloading that happens even during the startup and where we are kind of going with that. Our team is now in second place through two weeks, even though the only running back, the only starting running back that we drafted in the entire draft was B. John Robinson. And the three quarterbacks that we have are Sam Howell, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Mac Jones. But when you have some quarterbacks like a Howell and a Mac Jones who have had some big games and have now risen more in the ranking. So I have Howell up to 5'10". I have Mac Jones up to 6'11 in the rankings. When you have quarterbacks like that, that you can then build out a ton of weapons around and have a lot of wide receiver depth in addition to having that superstar running back, you have so much more flexibility than if you have spent all of your sort of big money, key assets, your early picks, however you want to look at the way that value is represented. If that has all been spent on quarterbacks, number one, you can only get two of those three guys in the lineup to start with. And then number two, at least through two weeks, you could easily be in a situation where they haven't scored enough for you. One of the counter arguments and a very simple and and accurate one would be that, I mean, it's not a two week season. We're going to be looking at a larger scope and more results. And as we get more results, the better quarterbacks are going to gap some of your guys that you've started through two weeks and gotten decent results from and that's going to be true but the flip side of it is that someone like a Bijan robinson is going to be gapping the running back position and if you decide to play him there also gapping the super flex position which is something that we talked about in relation to ship to the quarterbacks which is that in most formats and you want to really look at your scoring system but in most formats you don't actually have to play the QB in the super flex spot. Now, 
you should, and you'd love to have it powerful enough. I think about the team that the Pat and I drafted together and we have tricky lineup decisions every week because we have Josh Allen and Daniel Jones and Jared Goff and Sam Howell. So obviously Josh Allen's going to start. And then with the other three guys, you're looking for the best matchup to go in the super flex. But when we work through all of the different permutations and the advantages that you get tactically, there's a huge value to the top wide receivers and the top running backs gapping their positions and also having elite trade value and having this window that they're going to gap the position for, because it's not just this year. And then you look at all of these very inexpensive quarterbacks who you can play matchups with and who in individual seasons are going to go off. So one of the big storylines here is not just that the rookie QBs in Stroud and Richardson have played either at or better than expectations, certainly for Stroud, purely as a passer, or at least purely as a fantasy guy who has been able to create some volume through a couple of weeks. But you do have Bryce Young actually looking terrible. The other part of that, though, is that you have Russell Wilson as a possibility now. You have Matthew Stafford, who is somebody that we traded for. And we think about our first big reanimator point when we took over this orphan. The first big trade that we made was Kirk Cousins and a third for Matthew Stafford and Sam Howell. The brain, and certainly you know, for your brand and all of those types of things, I mean, you want to look good, you tend to pick out the trades that work well for you. And so I'm not saying that every trade is as successful as this, but it illustrates what we're trying to do, which is to maximize the different pathways and to buy low on quarterbacks. Colin, I very strongly believe from what's happened in the first two weeks, but obviously from a much larger perspective than that, because the two weeks is very valuable, very interesting. And yet, if you're just looking at two weeks, you're going to draw terrible conclusions. But we look back over the last five, six, 10 years. And one of the things that I wrote about when I wrote the big article talking about the mistakes that dynasty managers were making in Superflex startups, specifically in 2023, almost all of those focused on not understanding the quarterback position in Superflex. And one of the elements in there that certainly wasn't the main element, but something I think is very important, which is that I don't believe there's any position in fantasy football. And certainly you know, if you talk about investing or you know what have you, I don't think there's any area in life that's easier to buy low and sell high than quarterbacks in fantasy football. And the Matthew Stafford, Sam Howell trade, where we give up Kirk Cousins, I illustrates that very well but those aren't the only guys by any stretch one of the names that you were mentioning to me was baker mayfield who again i mean part of that is going to be schedule part of it's going to be specific game environment but i mean if you have baker mayfield in superflex right now and you're looking at his weapons then you may be thinking to yourself well i have given myself a potential superflex opportunity at least in certain matchups which again is is very important geno smith 2.0 so colin i have made the move here and i Claimed I was going to do it on the big Chasing Stolen Bananas main event draft. But I have made the move, and I do now have a non-quarterback at the 101, which is Justin Jefferson. I've also moved Bijan up from number 8, which was above ADP. His ADP was 11. Moved him up from 8 to number 4. The two quarterbacks sandwiched in between there, not surprisingly, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. How are you looking at the first round right now? 
how silly do you feel like those rankings are? What should we be looking to do when we're thinking about the top tier and then maybe the the second tier in Dynasty, in Superflex? What are your takeaways after two weeks? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when we look at these particular rankings, you asked how, I don't think they're silly in any way, but what I would say is, you know, Patrick Mahomes hasn't hit the highs maybe that we would have hoped, or even Jalen Hurts, for example, or Josh Allen. Justin Jefferson hasn't really hit the true highs, but he has been very, he's not costing you those weeks. He's been very, very productive in terms of yards and receptions. And Is this going to be another season where he leads the NFL in getting tackled at the six-inch line? There is a possibility of that. There's also a possibility that he breaks 2,000 yards. <laughs> so, you know, we, we're going to see what we get at the end of the season. But the names in, in that, let's say the top 12, I think that they're probably going to be the same for everybody listening to the show and maybe just in slightly different order. Somebody might have Mahomes over Jefferson, for example. Somebody might have Jefferson at three of the two quarterbacks first. I think the names that are in there are all fair. For me, the one I would move down would be uh, Bijan Robinson. Not not because I have an issue with Bijan or the ranking, but more so I would rather have Jamar Chase than, than Bijan Robinson. That would be one that I would swap. The, the other part of this is when we're looking, one of the things that we talked about in Superflex Baseball, we talked about some when we were starting this team up, is like one of the biggest mistakes people can do is trying to get that second quarterback kind of in the second round when you split those tiers. Um, so I think that I am obviously very much on board with having those options of wide receiver kind of running through that entire second round as well, even though we have super flex format or tri-flex format and we're looking at these particular rankings. I think what you said there is very interesting and, you know, the buy sell and, and to be able to kind of gain an edge on quarterbacks and super flex. It feels like last year, maybe opened up more than ever before with the injuries and been able to have kind of replacement value 
But when we look at this season in particular, the rookies that have been added in, in Richardson, in CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young, I think that makes it very intriguing. The one question I would have when we're looking at you know the quarterbacks, you mentioned some of the teams that the team we have and some of the teams you have with Sam Howell in there. Daniel Jones is QB 13 for you in this and, and round three. And then we have Jones in round five is QB 14. So there's you know, a round and a half to almost two rounds with no quarterbacks being drafted. I'm intrigued as to why we have that gap between Jones and Howell. So as you're looking at that, so right now, just anybody who doesn't have it up in front of them, which I would guess is a decent chunk of the people listening, have CJ Stroud moved up to the 301 as QB 10. Tua in round three as QB 11, Bryce Young, QB 12, Daniel Jones as QB 13. And then as you mentioned, there's this long period where we don't have any QBs in there by the rankings. Again, this is rankings and not ADP. And then how at the end of round five, for me, there's a, a pretty significant tier break there where we're representing a variety of different things, which is number one, Sam Howell still has a massively wide range of outcomes. And you have to reflect that in some way with the number that you end up with, whatever you have as his ranking. His ranking has to reflect so many different things that it's very tricky. Because the upside for him is that if he stays as the starter, if he doesn't have something go wrong in his development in 2023, then next year we're going to feel comfortable putting him in that round two area. Because you have somebody who has some scrambling ability. It was disappointing he didn't have a lot of rushing yards in week two, but he did have one key play where he used his legs to extend the drive that in many ways determined things. That portion of his profile is still important. As he's throwing the ball right now, he looks like a top six or seven NFL quarterback. He's going to make some mistakes. He's not always going to be that good. He's got maybe some height limitations that are perhaps exacerbating some of the pass rush elements. But I would say that once the pass rush kind of went away in week two, then he was absolutely dynamite. And so you know maybe maybe not and in terms of when you're factoring in just for the rankings and i assume it does like daniel jones obviously has a contract extension so there should be some security with that are you factoring that into sam howell's range of outcomes that if if he doesn't do anything this season then that he you know he could be he may not be in the roster in two seasons time i think that Howell has already put enough on tape that like his downside is probably like a ryan fitzpatrick type of career where, I mean, you look at what's going on with the New York Jets right now, and there's almost no way that a Sam Howell level player is not going to be out there for somebody. And so maybe I'm overstating the risks, but with Sam Howell, you still have a lot of different risks. <laughs> We've just seen a couple play a couple games, right? He started three times. He's looked good in all three games. He was a fantastic college player. He's got a great arm. He's very mobile, but he was drafted late. And so he's going to have to keep overcoming these different hurdles. So you have to reflect the downside as well. Are you saying that I don't have him ranked highly enough yet? Yeah, the, I'm just asking the split. I, I'm kind of nearly at this point comparing him and Daniel Jones. I think he's a better player than Daniel Jones. Yeah, I think that with Daniel Jones, again, you've got someone where there's almost no risk of being not a starter. And then the risk that you have is mostly 
that you get really bad coordinating. And we saw in week two, and again, I mean, partly it's like, well, Daniel Jones <laughs> through two NFL games, he had one decent half. He played one great defense, probably one mediocre to bad yeah, defense. They had no, like they, it's interesting how, and this isn't, the rankings aren't reflective of the second half in week two, but they had no points scored through three quarters. Which isn't great. But he has, I mean, Jalen Hyatt's going to be a star. Wondell Robinson is going to be good. People like Darren and Waller. Just as long as Darren Waller's we're, healthy, we're, he's going to be. We're recording this before Thursday Night Football, too, in just in case they don't score any points this week. Well, so a little bit of a peek behind the scenes. We're really not supposed to talk about the Thursday night players on our Thursday recording. I probably should have thought about that before I opened up this question. <laughs> But McCollum has pulled us in here with Daniel Jones, which is an interesting one. I mean, Daniel Jones is going to run the ball. Not every week, but when you have those rushing points. I mean, one of the things here is that Daniel Jones, you could argue that he actually shouldn't be valued that differently than Anthony Richardson, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. You're getting a discount to him because he has some reality limitations that those other guys may not have. Also, you're getting that discount because he's actually not been a great scorer to this point, even with the rushing value. But the scoring is probably not that difficult to unlock with a decent season by Bryant Dable this year, which is, again, one of the reasons why through two weeks, and again, this would be different with Anthony Richardson if he plays the full week too, because then you're going to have a lot of points out of a dead zone guy. But you think about, not a dead zone, a QB window specifically the opposite of dead zone. The QB window here for 2023 and the guys that we're looking at targeting in best ball and looking at targeting in redraft, you've got the names like Tua. Seems like he's going to be the big winner. Certainly Gino bounces back, has a good week in week two. Jerry Goff bounces back, has a big week in week two. Dak Prescott looks fine. And then you have guys like Daniel Jones and Anthony Richardson who look like they're going to bring the rushing ability to get you the points out of the QB window for that to be what wins. So that'll be something we want to track as we go through the season. But a lot of what we're seeing with these guys in round three versus these guys in round five, six, and seven. And again, these are my rankings. Actual ADP is different and does push some of the lower QBs up. But what you're seeing is a moat element of like how much rope are they going to get and where are their trade values? One of the things that I think has been interesting about Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, is that number one, there are issues kind of going into the season about how many points they can score right away. When the Colts play more difficult opponents, we're probably going to see that come out for Richardson. Again, we're hoping that he gets healthy as quickly as possible. One of the concerns that we articulated during the offseason is just that these mobile QBs have been having some very serious injury issues. Now, the poor quarterbacks who get sacked in the pocket, who get hit in the pocket a lot, also have injury issues. We're not saying it's only mobile QBs. Hopefully he gets over this very quickly. CJ Stroud, again, when you're into some more difficult games, it probably isn't going to manifest the same way. And then Bryce Young, all of the concerns are there. And it's interesting. And I want to give a little shout out to our flagship show, the guys working on the road of his rookie guide. Dave did a lot of great research on the QBs. We had the stuff in the rookie guide. And then also in terms of our rankings, Curtis and Dave pushing hard for us to keep Stroud ahead of Young. That definitely looks correct at this point. And I'm not saying that Bryce Young isn't going to be a good NFL player. I think that he will be. But the arm talent differences between Stroud and Young 
at least the way that they're able to manifest in the NFL right now with the situations they're in, it's not just a little bit of a difference. I mean, it's dramatic. And you go back to our research in the guide and some of the things that Stroud did in college that I think people weren't willing to give him credit for because he was surrounded by such good receivers. And that part is always tricky because he was surrounded by very, very good receivers. But you think back to how dominant Georgia has been, if not for a cheap shot in the semifinals, you know, Ohio State's the defending national champions in large part because C.J. Stroud is that good. So we're two weeks in. We don't have a great read on it because their opponents have been so poor. And yet so much of what we get with the rookies contrasted with these guys who I have ranked in rounds five, six, seven, eight, et cetera, is simply the shiny new toy element to it where we're saying, okay, if these guys hit their ceilings, then they're going to be ranked pretty high and you're going to have this moat around both, you know, their ability to start as NFL players and this moat around their trade value. And that's one of the things that you definitely do want. It is meaningful is that you want players where they can go through these dips and their trade value is not going to sink. Like you have with, you know, a player like Jerry Goff, anytime he goes through a bad stretch, his trade value is going to be in the tank. That's certainly the case now with players like a Mac Jones, players like a Matthew Stafford, Obviously, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, those guys are already torpedoes, and in part because they're never going to give you the elite points that you need. So it makes sense in those cases. But so much of what we're looking at with these rookie QBs, and this was the point during the offseason, is like they actually need to hit ceiling outcomes to be anything other than just other QBs who start in the NFL. Unlike the you know big prospect who's coming along next year, I mean, that doesn't do for you what you need, or at least the probabilities and the scenarios are not skewed in your favor. Why not take some of these other guys who are going to be able to give you similar points and build a powerhouse team around them and continue to also perpetual reload? And so that's the way that I'm looking at it through two weeks and feel very good about the way my dynasty rosters are set up and the way that these rookie drafts went. And that's also agreeing with the fact that Richardson and Stroud have done some very impressive things. And that we could have gotten bigger scores from JSN and Jameer Gibbs, and we'd be you know happier if we had gotten those things. But I definitely still want to have the impact players at those other positions and depth of that. Because I think a lot of times people are thinking, well, you know, if you have a guy or two like that, that's fine, but you're going to be playing him in the running back spot. You're going to be playing him in the wide receiver spot. You're still going to have to play other guys at those positions as well. And we go back to what the foundation of perpetual reloading is, which is that you can build a team that is much, much, much better than that. And uh, the the key point, again, it's something we tend to keep coming back and uh, you know you mentioned round five onwards in your rankings i mentioned sam howell being the, the starting point off that there's a lot of those guys who are definitely able to be starting in your rosters people may not be comfortable with it but the firepower that you mentioned that that allows you to get and those other positions are acquired for those moves i think just sets the roster up as you mentioned to be to be much much better a few questions sean we're going to go rapid fire because i decided to have a dialogue on topic that we probably should have waited to next week to have with the thursday night football game coming up but people will be able to tell us how that went um but the first question sean it's a topic of obviously a lot of conversation around puka nakua and his performances through the opening two weeks of the season you know where to slot him in in terms of the rankings what should people be looking to 
try and get him should they be trying to get him should they be just waiting to see what happens when when cooper cup comes back but interesting where he lands in your rankings and, and also how that reflects on on cooper cup yeah i have him at wide receiver 17 that is sandwiched in between george pickens and zay flowers ben and i did go into quite a bit more detail than that on our most recent stealing bananas so make sure you check that out one of the things that I, I just do want to emphasize here though is that production matters and for someone who is a late round rookie to have done that so early and one of the things that we're talking about here is that we're not remotely concerned about jsn we're excited about the far inferior performances of a zay flowers we're excited about the inferior performances of a jordan addison you know marvin mims <laughs> jalen hyatt you want to respect production and when that production also comes within a context where you have a quarterback who is a big time arm talent even if there are some questions about what he could do for you say purely by himself as a quarterback in fantasy that's a little bit of a different question than what he can do for some of his receivers matthew stafford has been one of the best at elevating receivers throughout his career and then you have one of the best offensive minds within that context don't fail to respect production and what you need to do with that is going to be a little bit different in every league every format every specific environment that you find yourself in what your own needs are how players tend to be traded in your league who you can work with in your league you know if you're able to, to throw out an offer that doesn't hurt you a lot and you can get him back you know i don't think that you want to make a one-for-one -one trade where you're purely moving him out for another guy who's similar and taking on you know some of the risk there but i mean it's an aggressive ranking because i think you have to respect production another question that comes in then was around trail on works and it's quite simple it's a well it's a 16 team ppr league which is a challenge in itself but trail on works and a 20 24 second for calvin ridley is is that something that you'd be willing to give up i think you know we obviously had week one where red laid a master performance not as much in week two although he was targeted this is an interesting one for that perpetual reloading conversation to have trail on works on the second or calvin ridley who obviously again is older than maybe people would expect him to be and then if you are looking ahead to 2024 is obviously as the way things work would be even older in 2024 than he is in 2023 <laughs> Yeah, and this is one where I think the value of perpetual reloading can be actually underlined. And you're thinking, well, there's no way that I'm going to give up two meaningful pieces for an older receiver who just illustrated in week two <laughs> that there are some problems there, that Christian Kirk in a lot of games is going to have some volume, that Evan Ingram is going to have some volume, probably not like a huge season or huge individual volume games. Although, you know, who knows? In week three, maybe it's Evan Ingram who's the guy who gets every single pass thrown in his direction. But there's going to be enough overall there that it creates some problems. And they're probably going to have some games where it's Travis Etienne, Tank Bigsby who are doing the work. It doesn't look like it necessarily sets up for Ridley to have a bunch of big games. There are going to be some. And so it's tricky when you got one in week one and that's, very hard not to anchor to even after you've had the bad game in week two but one of the values of perpetual reloading is that you have created enough total value that you can make some of these moves so i think about the team that i just referenced that i did with bjorn where we've got three pretty good qbs we have Bijan robinson 
in a very sad way, we're now set with a second running back in Jerome Ford. We have great wide receiver depth. We have great tight end depth. And this team that we punted on now looks like it could be one of the two or three power teams in the league. Well, we have two first round picks and six second round picks for next year. If you look at the specific things on that team that you might do, where one of the offers we got that it, we won't accept exactly as it was, but it requested some picks and us moving Josh Downs for perhaps another interesting running back. Well, I'm pretty high on Downs, and I think that if Richardson hits, then Downs looks like he's going to be an interesting part of that offense. Wouldn't necessarily want to give him away, but because we have so much wide receiver depth, we can make some moves, and because we have six second-round picks, if we move one of those, we still have five. And one of the things you're looking at there, people are already going to be asking, well, how do you use all of that? Well, you can perpetually reload and then take advantage of it in some cases where you make a move for a player who helps you in a certain year because you created the ammunition to do that. And so I think in this question, if it's a team that doesn't necessarily need the youth of Burks, if you have other guys who represent what Burks represents, which is a young player with a wide range of outcomes, and you don't necessarily need that round two. Maybe you have two or three round twos, or maybe you have a couple of round ones and a couple of round threes, and your team is very good for this season. And Calvin Ridley, if he hits and is a little bit more like he was in week one, is the piece that moves you over the line, then use all of that ammunition that you've built to get Ridley and go win. If you're not in that situation, I would say probably stick with it. I mean, I don't know if there was a more frustrating result in week two than Traylon Burks getting behind the defense, catching a 70-yard pass, not getting in, which was frustrating, and then on a third and short, not that long afterward, being the target on one of these underneath crossing routes where he catches it, but they don't get the three yards that they need. He doesn't get it quite deep enough and or the play just ended up unfortunately not getting quite deep enough he catches it he despite his size and athleticism is not able to break the tackle they don't get the first down and then he's not involved in the entire rest of the game like what are we supposed to take from that i mean we knew the Traylon burks is athletic we know he can get deep it's great to have that 70 yard play instead of nothing but for a team that has so little for him to still not be involved i guess it's hard to see him making a big impact in 2023 and the problem there is not only do you not get points but his trade value in 2024, if he has a down 2023, it gets to where it's not that useful to you. And so I think there are a lot of situations in which making that trade probably is smart. I'm going to go, uh, just to have a disagreement, I'll go the opposite side. Like Traylon for the win. Yeah, let's let's be a, I'm a truther for Traylon. Um, you know, we, we will be in a situation where Calvin Ridley in December will be 29 years old. And if your team... I think you're right in going in to win it this year, but if you don't win it this year, I think that's one that you would heavily regret potentially come come next season. But we are ready for week three. The one question I have for you, Sean, as we finish up here, week two brought the points. Will week three bring the points? We're going to start to see even more than we have. We're going to start to see... More points? <laughs> no, we're not going to see more points. What we're going to see is we're going to see the teams who... I mean... There are a lot of teams like the Giants who have so many interesting things that they can do. We may get, I and mean, again, we shouldn't be talking about the Thursday game. <laughs> but Big we have the Wandell Robinson. <laughs> yeah, we got the possibility of Wandell. But we're going to see the teams in week three either start to answer the questions or fail. So you think about a team like the Chargers, you know, do they have Austin Eckler? 
But more importantly, are they able to translate some of the dynamism of their offense into wins? We have a team like the Green Bay Packers. Is what we've gotten from Jordan Love so far a mirage? Or will they be able to take this and do this consistently against a variety of opposing defenses, a variety of quality as they go forward? The Atlanta Falcons. Are we going to get some passes to Drake London consistently? Will we get some of those shots to Kyle Pitts? Is Bijan Robinson going to look this good every week? The Kansas City Chiefs, they made a bunch of weird mistakes again in week two, but they hammered the Jaguars because it looks like they may have a top five defense. Is that defense going to start to wreak havoc to the point where the Chiefs are scarier than they've ever been? And can they stop making those mistakes and actually unlock Sky Moore? Can they unlock a little bit of Kadarius Tony? Will we see them? push in the direction of Rasheed Rice. Will he be the next guy to make one of these plays like we've seen from Marvin Mims and Jalen Hyatt? What about the Broncos? Is it going to be the Marvin Mims and Jerry Judy show? Do we get Javante Williams completely emerging as the next big running back star? Those types of questions throughout the league, I think we're going to get better answers to in week three. And I think we're going to see scoring. We're going to see big points from the teams that find the answers. And then we're going to have some of these teams fall by the wayside that's not really a bold prediction. That's more or less how we would expect things to play out. But I do think that there are going to be solutions from a decent chunk of teams. And that's maybe what we've been missing for these past couple of years are teams actually finding solutions and making their offenses so valuable to you as a fantasy manager that you can count on them, not every week, but in most situations, I think that's where we're going. I hope it's going to be centered around the team's where we've also centered our players. Yeah, that would be nice. It, it sounds there, Sean, like what you're saying is the truth is going to be revealed this week. The truth is revealed. We're going to see who is real and who is not. Who are the contenders and who are the pretenders? I think we'll start to see, you know, again, you get that sample size, what was a fluke for some of these teams and, and what will be able to be maintained and continued. So excited for NFL week three. We will see how things play out. We will be back with our Monday recap show that will come out Eastern time afternoon on Monday. Make sure you are subscribed to the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. And until we are back, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Martin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. And until next time, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Road of His Radio. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at roadofisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His with a discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.